If you're curious to engage with a lot of the topics we explore on the podcast in more creative and embodied ways, we welcome you to join us in Alchemize, our 10-week audio-based program of daily imagination practices intended to disrupt status quo ways of thinking, sensing, relating, and being. To be honest, without any grant support for our show right now, and we did just get turned down by several mainstream environmentalism philanthropies, this program and our Patreon are our primary means of supporting our labor for these free podcasts right now. We really want to remain untethered to corporate interests, and every small contribution to our Patreon or enrollment in our program Alchemize helps to ensure that we can continue producing these vital conversations that feature voices and perspectives often sidelined from mainstream media. So if you value our work and want to dive deeper with us, join us in Alchemize today at greendreamer.com slash alchemize and join our Patreon starting at just $3 at patreon.com slash greendreamer. Thank you so, so much for however you were able to support our work during these critical times. We are so deeply grateful. Take that slow rate of growth. I, I would take that because if if you don't take that time, once you get to five hundred thousand, it's you're gonna be like so confused and be pulled in like all sorts of different directions, and you would just be saying yes to everything, and then I think your brand will completely crash. What does it take for us to grow our social media platforms with purpose from zero to over half a million, so then we can have a big platform to talk about things that we think are important to be talked about. What do we need to bring eco mainstream instead of just having it be this little world of its own? That's just the tip of the iceberg of what you'll hear today. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe because there are tons of inspiring conversations in store for you and I can't wait to share them with you. Also, if you want to receive weekly highlights from the podcast every Sunday, that can help you to kind of reset and feel grounded before the new week starts, you can head to greendreamer.com to sign up. I personally write these emails and, you know, I would love to have you there. So greendreamer.com to sign up. And now to today's episode, let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Our guest today is a vegan ballerina, actress, photographer, and celebrity blogger focused on promoting plant-based and eco-living. And she had a very particular childhood, growing up training to become a professional ballerina, which means while her friends went to prom, sleepovers, movies, she was training all day, every day, and even deep into the nights on performance days. She said that it was quite gruesome, but later in our conversation, you're going to hear how this has actually empowered her to do everything that she does today as a full-time social media influencer on a mission. Starting our conversation off, she's going to walk us through how she initially went from being a professional ballerina to becoming a professional influencer. Green Dreamer, here is Agnes Muljadi. 
so I was sort of transitioning out of, you know, the company life that I was, uh, I was with a company, a small ballet company in Kirkland, Washington, and I wanted to transition out of that a little bit. So I started doing photography and I actually started taking pictures of like dancers in the company and like just backstage pictures for like the performances that we did. And I, I really loved it. And so I decided to become a photographer. I took some photography classes and basically set up my business as a photographer. And I just got booked like immediately. It was like out of nowhere, like all of like wedding shoots, engagement shoots. I mean, like all these things that I didn't plan for. And I also did work with a lot with dancers because dancers love working with photographers who are dancers themselves because they know what kind of line that they need to achieve, what kind of aesthetic and versus someone who doesn't really understand ballet and, you know, wouldn't understand that, oh, you know, like your toe is not pointed, your knee is not straight, you're not turned out. So I think it's like a very particular aesthetic that dancer needs to achieve. And it's always better when you're working with someone who, who just has like a deep understanding of the art form. And so I started doing that. And then I moved to Los Angeles from Seattle. And when I got here, I started taking on other shoots as well. I mean, mostly like engagement shoots and a couple of like creative shoots. And so I started my Etsy shop as the result of that because I wanted to sell my photography prints. And I also made like products, like items with my pictures on it, like tote bags or pillow covers and all of these things. So I set up an Etsy shop. My friend told me that after that, my friend told me, oh, you have to be on Instagram because you need to promote your shop. So I said, okay, whatever. Like, I didn't even know what Instagram is. I, you know, opened the account. I think I had like 64 followers for the longest time. And um, one day I was so tired of posting like product pictures because every day I would post different products from my Etsy shop and I got really tired of it. So I said, okay, I'm just going to post a picture of myself, like a ballet picture of myself. And it just like went viral. I mean, it got like thousands of likes hundreds of comments and I had like less than 100 followers at the time so that was unexpected completely unexpected and complete luck I mean sheer luck mm -hmm. <laughs> and so after that like three four weeks later I got a call from a social media agency based in Santa Monica they asked me have you ever thought about being an influencer and I said I don't even know what that is and so they said okay come on in uh, we'll explain to you what that means and you know let's have a formal interview so I actually did go into their office and they interviewed me and offered me a contract the next day mm. and I you know and it was <laughs> I mean, I never planned on being an influencer. That actually sort of just happened to me. And I feel very blessed and grateful for it every single day. But it was not something that I planned for, that I wanted to do. But, you know, after I signed on with this agency, we did a lot of work with my account. And um, surprisingly, all the skill set that was required to run an Instagram account, I basically already had it. I just didn't know that, you know, that could actually earn me some money. So like photography skills and, you know, having a very niche market and as far as like, you know, making it a ballet account and all of that. So that's that's how it started. And we just never looked back. And I remember that the f very first campaign that I did was a giveaway with free people. And, you know, that basically gave me like a lot of new followers in a very short amount of time. And, and then it just kept, you know, kept going on from there to yeah. a different campaign to a different campaign. 
That's beautiful. So your influencer work basically started just from you allowing yourself to experiment with all of these different things, and one thing led to another. You didn't even plan for it, but this is, you know, kind of the combination of all of your expertise and creative skills. Right. Basically, yeah. I mean, you know, like I, I, I don't even like the word influencer. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's like, who are you trying to influence, and what are you? I mean, it's just. I, I think it's a. It's a very. Um, I don't know. It's. A, it's sort of like a, an arrogant title, in my opinion. Um, I. I would just like to, you know, share what I love on on my social media, and I feel so so blessed and grateful that you know somehow I was given this platform to like yeah. really share the things that I really love. Well, speaking、yeah. of things that you're passionate about, what encouraged you to first start promoting plant-based and eco living as part of your creative work? Wow,、um, that was a huge journey on my part. So about four or maybe five years ago, I actually found a lump on my left breast, and I was very, very scared. <laughs> I remember being so scared that I, I didn't. I think I didn't go to the doctor immediately, but then after you know two weeks or so, it didn't disappear. So I thought, okay, I just have to face it and find out what it is.、Um, so I did go in. They did like the whole thing, like ultrasound, mammogram, and everything, and found out that it was actually benign. And so it was a little bit of a sigh of relief. But then after that, it started growing. So I, I thought, okay, well, it's benign, but it's growing. So I'm really confused. Like, how? Why is it growing? And then they said, well, even if it's benign, it, it is possible for any growth to grow. I kept asking her, what caused this? Like, what kind of imbalances in my body that I need to address so that I don't really produce another one after you take this one out? You know, and they really didn't have any knowledge whatsoever in terms of like diet or what could be the you know cause of it. They said, oh, it might be a hormonal imbalance, but they really couldn't under. I mean, really, they couldn't explain it to me to the point that I'm satisfied with their answers. And so I started researching it online on my own, and、um, found out that a lot of people turn to naturopaths because they're more of a lifestyle doctor. So I found the best naturopath in town,、um, according to like the reviews and stuff, and you know related to her immediately and felt very safe in her hands. And she basically looked at me and she said, you know, you you had to become vegan like yesterday. <laughs>、um, and she said basically.、Um, The dairy, and I, I was already a vegetarian before that, so it, it's not like I was eating a lot of meat. But I did, I was,、um, you know, drinking milk. I was eating cheese and like all the dairy. And she said that dairy is basically keeping the inflammation in your body alive. And for somebody else, it might not have that effect, but for your particular body, I think it's absorbing that and it's creating inflammation within your body. And so if you want. This growth to shrink and to go away, then you need to make, you know, serious lifestyle changes. The first two weeks was horrible. I mean, I, I was having all sorts of cravings. I mean, you know, cheese. Like, I, I wasn't really big into milk, but you know, cheese was hard to let go, and、uh, seafood was very hard to let go. <laughs> It was definitely not. You know, a smooth transition, I would say, for the first two weeks. But then after that, I started just feeling like I was given a new body. And you know, starting maybe like two months after I became vegan, my growth shrunk. Every ultrasound, it basically shrunk. I ended up having it taken out just because I really don't want that in my body anymore. But like, it, it actually reversed a lot of the symptoms before I decided to have surgery. 
So it was like a personal health scare that got you into this whole world of conscious, health conscious, and eco conscious living. Yeah, I didn't know anything about like sustainability or like eco living. That's、right. not why I became vegan. I mean, like that—that that was the start of it. But after that, I just started meeting all these like incredible people from like the vegan community or like the plant-based community or like the eco community in LA, and just like having further conversations. You know, like. I remember I was carrying a leather bag, and I was going to like a pop up, I think. And one of the ladies who、um, was selling vegan shoes, she looked at me and she said, "So you're vegan, but you, it's okay for you to wear leather bags." Like it didn't even occur to me that that was not probably consistent to my choices because I became vegan for health reasons. But that kind of conversation. Is sometimes uncomfortable, I have to say, but it basically forces you to reflect on why you're doing certain things. And I remember being on on the computer for hours and hours just researching on what is a leather handbag made of. Like I didn't even know like what the process was. But after、yeah. that, you know, I started watching a lot of documentaries and doing all these research and keeping in touch with these people that I found was asking me the very very hard questions, but. Questions that I thought that I need to answer for myself, not for them, for myself, in order to become much better in terms of like really defining what I truly stand for.、Mm-hmm. So really, just knowledge has empowered you to be able to make choices that you feel good about and that are aligned with your values. Yeah, and it, and it and it makes sense. You know, I don't know how to act. I I don't know how to make that separation. Once I became vegan, I felt like. I have a responsibility to to really be consistent with that. Well, so your work has since then been fueled by this passion, and I feel like it's easy from the outside to just be like, "Well, she got into Instagram early and rode the wave up, and oh, she just takes pretty photos and puts them up." But、right. in reality, it's a lot of work and strategizing, just like any other business, like all the planning, communication, constant engagement with your community. What do you think has been your greatest challenge along this journey from zero to five hundred k? I think the greatest challenge for me is is staying authentic to what I believe in and who I am and the brands that really align with my feed.、Um, you know, once you get to a certain number of followers, pretty much everybody wants to work with you, and sometimes it's hard to turn down like you know. A campaign that you know is going to sustain you for like <laughs> two months or three months, like you know, with just doing one post because you're looking at a much higher pay rate at at a certain follower level. So it's hard. I mean, it's a, it's a you really have to know who you are first of、mm-hmm. all, and you really have to understand why you're even on this platform. Because, like you said, if you're just here to take good pictures, I mean, everybody can do that. I mean, pretty much everybody with any photography skills can do that. So I think your platform needs to say something about who you are. And what you believe in, and I think a part of that is really, really staying true and authentic to that. Yeah. So the challenge is really turning down amazing business opportunities in order to just continue to be in alignment with your values. Yeah, and I I think that's the right way to grow. <laughs>、mm-hmm. Saying no has helped you to grow. Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. I I I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't doubt that at all. Like I wouldn't question that at all. I think even now after I you know passed like five hundred thousand, I think the opportunities are even bigger now. And so now literally like twice the amount of brands <laughs>、mm-hmm. want to work with you. So、um, I I'm glad that I had the time to process you know what I had to define for myself and my brand. 
And that's why I always tell people like, I get asked a lot by people, how, how can I grow like overnight? Like I, I want to get to 500,000, like in, in two weeks, you know, like, um, and I always tell them like, no, 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 you, you, you need that time. You need that time to process yourself. You need the time to really, really be solid with where you are, what you want to do with this and take that slow rate of growth. I, I would take that because if if you don't take that time, once you get to 500,000, it's you're going to be like so confused and be pulled in like all sorts of different directions. And you would just be saying yes to everything. And then mm-hmm. I think your brand will completely crash. I mean, I, I think. Mm-hmm. So we need to have solid roots and foundations before we go upwards. Of course. Yeah. I remember you talking on Conscious Chatter podcast saying that your experience growing up dancing ballet was really challenging mentally. What do you Mm -hmm. think is the most valuable thing you learned from that? Like, what's one thing that you'll tell yourself over and over again today to stay resilient? I don't think that I can do what I'm doing right now if I didn't do ballet as a child. It's very strange because everything that I learned in ballet, I apply that in my life every day right now. (laughs) I guess one of the most important things that I learned from ballet is that there's like absolutely no limit that you should self yourself. Everything is unlimited. Anything that you want to do, and I know that it sounds so cliche, but I really believe that. Like it's actually a mantra that I repeat every morning in my meditation is like I am unlimited in all facets of my life. Whether it's Mm -hmm. a physical limitation, an emotional limitation, spiritual limitation, that's just like in your head. There is no limit. You're setting your limit for yourself. And I think through Bali I really understood that because you know, there, there were times where I felt like, oh, my God, I will never be able to do that. Like, I will never be able to do that. And this is after spending the majority of your childhood trying to do it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I said, yeah, that's just impossible. That's just one thing that I could just never do. And then suddenly, like, you do it. And then, yeah. uh, and I think when you see that from the level of focus that you have and the repetition that you do, and the determination that you have, I think you realize that all of that is just in your mind. <laughs> yeah. The keywords that really stood out to me here are no limits and laser focus with what you want to yeah. achieve for yourself. And I feel like that's partly what's led to your exponential growth. And with that, also you helping to elevate sustainability with your work. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you've been in the social media space as a professional for longer than most people that I know. What do you think has been key to your massive growth and success in a relatively short amount of time? I get asked that question a lot. And to be very honest with you, like, I have no idea what the real answer is. I think I have some guesses or like the things that like my agencies are telling me why my account is, um, you know, quote unquote successful or why brands want to partner with me. I think the fact that it's a niche account helps. There are a lot of ballet accounts out there, but they're all professional ballerinas. They don't have time to do campaigns. They're in the studio from 9 a.m. to midnight. So for them to be able to do what I do, it's impossible. It's a very rare space where there's not a lot of people um, who can who can actually be in that space because then there are other dancers who are not professional dancers or didn't really have the professional training and they're doing like influencing work but you can tell from the line and everything that it's they're basically just not you know a professional dancer they're I would call them a recreational dancer and I think for brand it's very very important when they are presenting their products or whatever that that aesthetic line that that um 
professional line is there if they want to do a ballet content. I think it's important. So I've been told that, that that's probably the reason why there's like a huge uh, attraction to, you know, sort of hire me for ballet inspired images. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the other thing too is I think it's, I wouldn't say that it's rare now. I think a lot of, I've seen more and more dancers becoming vegan, just like I've seen a lot more athletes who have become vegan. Um, But I think that's also an interesting space because there's a lot of uh, misinformation out there. And I think to have that role to educate people in terms of like, yes, you can. Yes, there are plants that have, you know, high quantity of protein and fibers and like, you know, superfoods and other things that you can do to make sure that your body is is getting enough protein. I think it's also a a niche place for Mm -hmm. me. And other than that, I, I have to say that I have a very amazing support team. We work consistently. We don't really look at the numbers, whether engagement is down, up, followers are down or up. We put in the same amount of effort and work ethic. And um, I, I put huge expectations on my staff. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, I think, you know, th- that's important to mention because I feel like these people who are staying behind the scenes behind me, they don't really get like the you know, the recognition, they think people think that I'm running my account by myself, I think. (laughs) And they don't really know that I actually have a PR person who's making sure that, you know, I get placements and all like the relevant press that I have a manager who's making sure that, you know, rates are negotiated, like, he's always negotiating like the best rates for me. And uh, just like a staff of people that are like helping me manage my account. And I think it's, it's important to know that, you know, what you see from the outside might not actually be the exact thing that's going on behind the scenes. And it's 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 always very important for me personally to give credit to these people, because without them, I don't even know where, where to begin. Mm-hmm. So having an amazing team, being unique in the space, having professionalism, these are things that have really helped you. And yeah. with this in mind, if you were to start all over again from zero today, what are the very first things you do to get started and grow more quickly? Oh, wow. That's a very good question. I would just give myself more time. Like, I think if I have, if I can start all over again, I would just throw away all the stresses that I put on myself because that wasn't productive to me or anyone. I would stop looking and comparing yourself to other people because you just never know when they started and what their journey is. I think it's very, very important because I used to get down on myself a lot in terms of like, oh, I know this girl started, you know, relatively the same time that I did. And her account is like bigger now and she's getting like all these like sponsor posts. And the, the funny thing is like those same accounts that I was looking at, I surpassed them like now, you know, so you just never know how your story is going to turn out. So mm-hmm. uh, the comparison is, is not good for anybody, I, not for you, not for the other person. Yeah. And with everything you've accomplished, I'm curious what you're most proud of. Wow. <laughs> um, let me see. I You know, I, I can't think of like one thing that I'm most proud oh, of but I lots of things <laughs> no, no 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 it's not about that but it's just like I I think that every single experience every I can honestly say that every single collaboration that I've done including the ones that were very problematic <laughs> uh, I don't have a lot of those but there were several ones that were very very po- problematic I felt like it has made me a better person so I'm always grateful for the experience and I always look back at whichever campaign I did, even, you know, the ones that I was literally pulling my hair out, um, 
I, I'm very, very grateful for it at the end of the day. So that's that. But I, I think the most, I feel very proud for my, like as far as the work that I'm doing and the work that my team is doing, most of it is actually falling on my staff and the people that I work with mm-hmm. is the fact that we are able to guide people through their journey in terms of becoming more eco or more vegan or, you know, we like, for example, this morning, I just had another um, DM from a girl in Colombia who wanted to become vegan. And she said, I just didn't even know where to start because, you know, everything has meat in, in my country and it's a very meat oriented culture. And by the way, I'm getting these messages pretty often, like consistently. And so, you know, one of my staff puts together kind of like a meal prep list, like what we would recommend, you know, not even to just not even to become vegan immediately, but to maybe reduce that to like, you know, three days a week or two days a week or whatever she can do. And then the same goes for people who have reached out to me and said, oh, can you please tell me what sustainable fashion means? Like, I, I don't even understand what that means. Like, what, what makes it sustainable? What makes it ethical? And then usually after we explain to them what what those criterias are, then they said, oh, wow, like, I really want to try to become more eco. So, like, what, where should I look? Like, and we put together a list of retailers that we really love to support because they're you know, their process is completely transparent and just amazing. And so I, that's the part that I'm most proud of. I'm, I'm not really proud of my follower count. I'm not really proud of my engagement level. I think it could always be better. And plus, I don't think that that's the right measurements that you need to take uh, in terms of if you really want to see yourself as an influencer, I, that's not the right measurements to measure your influence, quote, quote unquote influence. So these little messages that you know come to me daily and even when I don't really have time to personally respond to them is kind of like a daily reminder Mm -hmm. of why I'm doing this and you know that's very very fulfilling for me well I know you have lots of exciting projects ahead of you what is one of those upcoming projects you're really looking forward to upcoming projects I just I'm really looking forward to like starting conversations with a few major retailers this is something that I've been doing the last two weeks Um, I've been having meetings I I unfortunately cannot really disclose who they are because I think it's a very preliminary stages right now Um, but they're basically mainstream retailers and I'm talking to them about you know sort of the process and the visibility of starting a sustainable line and, and why that's important, why it's very hard to talk about that to corporate America, because they're very much concerned about the bottom line, the, the profit that they're making. And they're not really making a connection between the health of the process, which will produce a healthy product in the end, and have that trust that the bottom line is going to be there. Because when the price point becomes higher, I think they equate that as, oh, that's going to fail. And I think it's good for us to start this dialogue of why that's not really a real equation. It's, again, a limitation that you put on yourself, basically. It's a limitation that corporate America has put on itself. Yeah, I love that you're also getting to lend your influence to the retail space. And that's also a way that you're helping sustainability to go mainstream is you're collaborating with conventional retailers that might not be focused on sustainability But Mm -hmm. as a result of your collaboration, they're probably going to take their first steps this way. So I think that's really powerful. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I love collaborating with vegan brands. I love collaborating with sustainable and eco brands. But 
you know, let's be honest, they're already on, on the right side. <laughs> they mm. don't really need more convincing. <laughs> you know, like they're already doing the things that they should be doing. I think the main challenge is to take this movement to the mainstream. Totally. I feel like it's really comfortable to surround ourselves with people who think in the same ways we do and who have the same interests with us. But there is a lot of power and value in interacting with people outside of this world and collaborating with people outside of this world. So we're super excited to see which mainstream brands and influencers you'll be lending your sustainability focused influence to. So we'll be stalking you. And to do that, where can we find your work online and on social media? Oh, well, my handle is Artsy Agnes on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. So it's Artsy Agnes. And then uh, my website is www.artsyagnes.com. Before we go into Agnes's final five, I just wanted to remind you that you can head to greendreamer.com for this episode's show notes and sign up for my weekly newsletter, which will include highlights from every week's interviews. It's going to be very juicy, so definitely hop on that. Before now, on to our final five and then my two key takeaways for you that you do not want to miss. Let's power through. What's one social media account or publication you follow that really uplifts you? Uh, it's called the, I, oh my God, I don't remember what the name is. <laughs> I think, I think it's called, uh, well, it's Esther Hicks Instagram. So okay. it, I think it's called Abraham Hicks or something like that. Okay. We'll link to that in the show notes. Yeah. And then what do you tell yourself to stay inspired and motivated? Same mantra that I repeat to myself every single morning. I am unlimited in all facets of my life. What's one action we can try out this week for our planet's health? Maybe reduce one meal with meat so mm-hmm. if you are eating seven meals with meat then maybe make it six this mm-hmm. week what makes you most hopeful for our planet right now the fact that i think the consciousness of the people who are living right now is much greater and maybe it's because i have become more conscious i have no idea but i feel like the consciousness of um, our purchasing power and what we're trying to say with the things that we buy the things that we put in our body is is so much greater than when i was a child Yeah. And what final words of wisdom do you have for us as green dreamers? Stay true to yourself and follow your bliss. Stay authentic to who you are. Green dreamer, here are my two takeaways for you. Number one, the key to long-term growth is to give yourself the time needed to solidify your roots first, getting to know who you are, what you stand for, what you really want for yourself before trying to reach upwards. Number two, to take the sustainability conversation beyond where it's currently at within this little bubble we have going on here, we have to open dialogues and collaborate with people and companies who may not even be focused on sustainability. Instead of putting up walls between us and people and companies who don't have this as a core value, instead of giving them the hand, it could be really helpful for us to offer them like a friendly hand to tear down the walls and to learn what matters to them most, what's holding them back. So then we'll be able to better understand how to reframe the idea of sustainability in a way that interests them most. And there, that's a wrap. As always, if you have any takeaways to share with me, feel welcome to let me know at hello at greendreamer.com or on Instagram at Shane, K-A-M-E-A-C-H-A-Y-N-E. And finally, remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. 
So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe and Green Dreamer, I will catch you later.